Welcome to Cover 4. If you're a Section 4 football fan, this is your podcast. I'm Coach Smith, and I'll be your host. The Cover 4 podcast is brought to you by TDS Performance Improvement. Leading people is the most important responsibility in the world, yet 60% of first-time leaders fail. TDS Performance Improvement prevents these failures. Beginning in January 2023, TDS Performance Improvement will deliver a monthly first-time leader development program at the Tioga Downs Casino, Nichols, New York. Join me for an online introduction to this program on Tuesday, November 15th at 12 noon. Visit TDSPI.com, that's TDSPI.com, and click register. Our guest shares his unique story of first-time accomplishments, one of which landed him on the world stage. He takes us on his memorable football journey, beginning with his days as a Section 4 football player at Owego Free Academy, then on to his college football experience, culminating with being an NFL draft pick with a very unique story. It involves one of the most iconic NFL coaches in history, whose name just happens to be on the Super Bowl trophy. Interwoven into his story are brief insights into a few of his other exceptional skills and great life lessons for all student-athletes. It's my pleasure to introduce to you our guest, Bill Shear. Welcome, Bill, and as appropriate, kick off this episode. Well, I started playing football as a junior at Owego. I was a halfback and a Safety on defense. Uh, we didn't do any kicking at a wiggle day. We didn't. We didn't kick extra points, and we didn't kick field goals or anything like that. Although to be truthful, I was interested in it. I used to watch the NFL games on TV, and uh, um, you know, I'd be calculating how far those kicks were going to be. And I used to watch Pat Summerall kick for the Giants. And but you know, at a wiggle, they didn't want to do that, so we didn't. Um, at a wiggle, I had my junior year. I had a 95-yard touchdown run, um, which they were, I was told that was a record for at that point. At that point, anyways, uh, the year before as a sophomore uh, on the JV team, I had like four or five 50-yard runs. Um, but you know, it's, that's just about the way it went. And played defense, and uh, and that was it as far as high school. Then uh, getting ready to go to college, I wanted to go to Portland. But uh, my guidance counselor said I didn't have good enough marks, and he was probably accurate. And uh, my mom used to tell me she never remembered me bringing a book home at night, and that was pretty close to being accurate. <laughs> um, and uh, but so so I didn't try. I figured I'd go to Broome for a couple of years, and then hopefully I'd know what, what I wanted to do. But a friend of mine on the football team came down the hallway and told me, "Hey, you got I got into Cortland, and I'm looking at him and." I said, our marks are about the same. How did you do that? He said, well, I just did. And uh, so I asked the guidance counselors, and they couldn't figure out what happened. So my dad said, <laughs> my dad sent an application in for me, and I got approved by some reason. And then a week later, I was disapproved because they made a mistake. And then my dad called them back and somehow talked them into the, He thought I should go there. So they worked out a way. It's called a passport program. Portland allows 30 students, boys and girls, to come in 
for people who played sports in high school or did something else in high school, the band, something that took a lot of time and maybe hit hurt you a little bit as far as time you studied. So I get it. I got in on that. And of course, when I got there, you you were ineligible to play sport, um, at least the first semester until you proved yourself. They made you go to classes, a couple classes at the beginning and learn how to study. And I was delighted about that. Everybody else was, was not, but I, I knew I needed it. And so that's the way that went. And then I did okay the first semester. And uh, I decided to go up. Coach Fenton at Owego encouraged me to go out for baseball. And uh, I did. And uh, I made the team. There was 100 people trying out. 20 of us made it. And that was sort of the way it went. And once I made the team, then, you know, I, I didn't – I just wanted to prove I could make it, so I didn't put much effort into it. Effort into it after that, so uh, uh, that's the way the first year went in baseball. I said, "Well, that's it. I I proved I could make it. That's all I did it for." And second year, I decided to go out for golf. I made the golf team, and because I wanted to play at the Cortland Country Club, and which was kind of a ritzy place back in those days, so I did that, and uh, um, we won the SUNYAC tournament at the end of the year. Uh, which was pretty good. I, I, will, I will not say I was part of it, but it was uh, good for the team and good for the school. And uh, then the first two years I was in college, I hardly, I, in fact, I never went to a game until I was a sophomore. I went to a football game to watch my roommate. And I think they were playing East Stroudsburg and it went right down to the wire and the kicker kicked the 49-yard field goal and they carried them off on their shoulders. And I said, boy, that's the, that's the position to play. That's pretty cool. So I started mouthing, as, as kids do, I started mouthing off to my roommate, how oh, I could do that. That didn't look that hard. And I had never, ever kicked before. And uh, so he started harassing me about doing it. So finally I made the mistake and said, yeah, I'll try. So I went to Coach Robinson and uh, he said, yeah, I could come. And then about a month later, he let me know, he says, I, a lot of the players that were going to leave didn't leave, so they didn't have any room for me in the dorm during preseason. He said, you can come up every day if you want. And I said, well, this is my way out because, you know, who's going to want to leave there at 10 o'clock at night, drive home an hour, and then get up at 4 o'clock to get back up there. So I figured it's my way out. But then toward the end of the year, Coach Robinson came up to me and said, well, some of the players who are going to play are leaving school. so." Uh, we got a place for you. So I lost my excuse. And uh, that was how that went. And uh, so then we went out, for, went out for football and uh, at the camp. And uh, the first day, first day I kicked, I was one for 15. And uh, was kicking with the second team. The first team was down at the other end. And I figured that was so embarrassing. I figured I'd wait till everybody went to bed at night in the dorm and I was going to sneak out and go home. And I changed my mind. And then the next day, Robinson, without batting an eyelash about how bad I was, said, okay, Bill, you go with the first team. Uh, Cooper, you go down with the second team. And I made 15 out of 15, all perfect kicks. I mean, right down the middle and, you know, couldn't have done any better. And so then the season started. We went to Alfred. And, of course, I'm the second string kicker because Cooper, who was the kicker, he was the second grade kicker when Perot was there. And, uh, and, but he was a great defensive end. In fact, he he was uh, he made a hall, a hall of fame at Portland for being the defensive end. 
So he was doing both until I could catch up with him in kicking, which I probably would have done about the middle of the season. I wouldn't have been better than him, but I would have been equal. And I know Coach Robinson preferred to have two different people doing it. So if he ever got hurt, they didn't lose two positions. So after the third game, it was a travel game, and I didn't get to go. And when the game was over and, the, and my, Bob, my roommate, came back, he uh, he says, well, you better get your toe ready. Uh, Cooper tore, out, tore his knee out, and you're the kicker now. And uh, so that's what happened. And, you know, I went down there, and, of course, on the way down on the bus to, on, a, on that Monday, six other people were going to try out for kicking because they knew how they knew I had never kicked before. So here's all these great athletes trying to kick, and they found out it was just about as hard as it looked for me. So um, they 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 tried it once, and then that was it. So we went through the week, and the next game, the game we were going to play was Bridgeport, and uh, and I don't I don't remember being nervous, but uh, I must have been, but I don't remember it, and. Uh, uh, it was just, uh, I just prayed and I thought about it. They went out to do the coin flip and they won the toss. And that in those days, you won the toss, you took the ball. You didn't try to overthink it and go on defense. So probably the luckiest thing that could have happened to me because going out there, kicking off the game, the start of the game, instead of standing out there for 20 minutes on the sideline before something happened, was probably the greatest thing, you know, kicking off and getting knocked on my butt, you know, it's just kind of, it was, I, I believe it was a good thing. And we went on and went ahead 7 nothing. I kicked the extra point. And toward the end of the game, I kicked a 39-yard field goal to ice it with about two minutes to go, uh, which if it surprised everybody else, it surprised me because I'd never done it before. And so we, we won the game, and uh, that was pretty good. And then next week, we played Ithaca. I kicked two long field goals, which surprised me too, but we lost the game. But the, that was the way, you know, it just – Everything seemed to come together, and uh, you know, the, the, at the end of the season, I think I had made five field goals in five games, and I, I extra points. I think I was uh, uh, twelve for fourteen on extra points, and uh, that ended the year. And then that summer, I was just trying to decide how can I get better, and so I, uh, I said, what I'm going to do is maybe go down to practice early, early. And, uh, and, you know, I went down an hour before practice would start when nobody knew I was down there. A manager was a friend of mine. He came down and chased the balls and I told him, don't tell anybody I'm doing this. I just want to do it. And eventually <laughs> over three weeks of doing that, I got out, I was kicking 55 yarders in practice, but nobody knew. And, uh, I didn't want him to know. I wouldn't, I wanted him to, you know, let me do whatever I was going to do. Uh, you know, by what I'm doing in practice, not what I was, how, how I was progressing on the side. And then I, about the third or fourth game, I got a toe infection and I, we played Ithaca and we beat Ithaca, but I had missed three field goals. It was a, it was a swirly wind, but it, it was just a bad day for me to kick. And uh, we lost, we won the game, but I, I kind of stunk in that game. And then two days, two games later, we played Hobart. And that was the game that it was our homecoming. Uh, the punter during warmups just tweaked his hamstring a little bit. He was, he was our wide receiver, and he played the whole game at wide receiver. But if they didn't want they didn't want him to punt, just in case that would be something that would hurt him more. So um, we got the, they got the ball first. 
they got one first down, and then they punted to us. We got the ball around the 40. We drove it up there. It was it was like third and five, and I was standing next to my roommate, and I was because I thought he was going to probably put me in and just maybe kick it down the field. And I told my roommate, I said, you know, if they we don't if he throws an incomplete pass on this, um, it'll be a 61 yarder, and that'll be beyond Stenenbrug's record of 59 yards. Sure enough, Speckman went back and he threw the ball up 55 yards in the air. It just went, just missed Rick Page, who got a tryout with the Dallas Cowboys that year too, because he was a senior. And so uh, then it became fourth down. He sent me in. He just said, at least just get it down there. So we're in the huddle, and I said to the guys, I said, make sure you block well. And why one of them says to me, or one of them says, why are you going to make it? I said, well, of course. Now I didn't mean that. It just it slipped out. But I said, no, I said, Robinson will kill me if they get, if we get it blocked at midfield. So, you know, they understood really what was going on. So the, the you know, guy hiked the ball, I kicked it. And my job after I kick it is to run them toward the defensive end is and start down the field there and try to force a run back, try to force a run back to the middle of the field where the good tacklers are. And uh, I, I got to the end, I started going down the field and the ball was still in the air. It was like, it was like God grabbed his hand out and just took the ball and carried it, and it went through by about 12 yards. And uh, they after that, they went back and, and tried to figure out how long it would have been. And one of the coaches told me it would have been good from 70. But anyway, so the, the kick was good. It kind of surprised everybody. I went back to pick my tee up, and John Gee was the was the referee. And he's standing there. He's six foot 11, and I'm five foot eight maybe. And he puts his hands on his hips hips and looks down and he says, you got to be kidding me. And uh, he might have used a different word for kidding me, but I'm not going <laughs> to mention that. And, uh, and uh, I remember at, at halftime, I was walking off the field because they had a building where we went at halftime to, just to sit and chat. And uh, my dad, mom were there, of course, and they were, they were way up on the top of the bleachers. How, how he got down, I have no idea because we had 5,000 people there and it was packed. He's down there and he shook my hand. It was only the second time in my life he'd ever shook my hand. And I, and I was in such a daze, I didn't even realize why he did it. It just, you know, so we went and the game got over. And uh, two weeks later, we went to Trenton State. Well, the week after that, we went to Brockport. And I made I made nine extra points, nine for nine. Uh, we kind of, And it was seven to six at halftime, by the way. We really killed him in the second half. Then the next week, we went to Trenton State. Into the wind, I kicked a 39-yarder and a 51-yarder, and I was probably more more proud of it in a way because I know that a lot of the people were thinking, well, you had a lot of wind when you kicked a 61-yarder, which was correct. I but kicking a 51-yarder into the wind, I felt was it got you know it just made me feel better, and that's sort of the way that ended up. And uh, the last game of the year, we went to Northeastern, and if we had won the game, uh, we would have went to a bowl game. And uh, we lost, but I 14 to seven. But I tried a 70 yarder there, and it it got it got about within five yards of the goalpost. So I don't know what how long that would have made it, but uh, wow, we at least tried. Sure, that I'm let me interrupt you right now uh, because up to this point, I mean, there's so many things that happened, and you got such a unique uh, history up to this point. What people need to understand, and that, that wasn't just a Cortland record. That was uh, that had never been done in any level in the NCAA, the NFL, or worldwide. You could really call it a world record at that time of sixty-one yards. 
Correct. Correct. But it was a national record. That I do know. Because Jan Stenergrud had the 59 yarder, you know, the year before. And of course, yeah, he that, became a Hall of Famer in the yeah, NFL. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Absolutely amazing. Now, take us uh, your your next step. You had uh, you, were, you were drafted. So t- take us to that next step in the NFL. In March, the coach's daughter, Randy, came down and told me, he says, Green Bay just called my dad, who's the head coach. And uh, he, uh, they're coming to scout. They're coming to talk to you in three days. So finally, coach told me, and uh, we went down to the field house. It was, uh, it was, a, it was a, quite a long field house, and we went in there. I hadn't kicked in four and a half months. We had to use sneakers, and I went in there, and Ed Franco was the Green Bay scout that came, and he was one of the seven blocks of granite at Fordham, along with Vince Lombardi. They were two of the linemen on that famous thing that you uh, you can see on Google. Sure. And uh, so we went through it, and he had me kicking different distances, different angles, and I was 29 for 29, which it surprised anybody. It surprised me that, that I was that good after four and a half months. And then finally, he looks down at the end of the end of the end uh, of end of the field house, and he says, "See those two posts sticking up? He's kind of got a wire between." And so it was probably 45 or 50 yards. So I kicked the ball and boing, it hits the wire. And I just turned to my sister, is that the wire you want me at? And, <laughs> and, and, and it just came out. I believe me, I didn't think about saying that. It just came out. He said, that's enough. We got to go talk. So they took, they took me and the coach up to the, up to the dining room. We went up there. He talked to me, asked me a lot of questions and, you know, kind of an interview like they do with all players. And uh, he said, we think Chandler's going to retire at the end of this year or maybe this year. Uh, if we draft you, would you be interested? And I said, yep. <laughs> yes, I will be. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, so basically that was it. And then three days later, in fact, the night before the draft, the San Diego Chargers called me. And they said, uh, you know, we're going to, we, you know, they gave me, they talked to me a while and they said, we're going to draft in the 10th or 11th round because, you know, no team in their right mind is going to, back in those days, was going to waste a high draft pick on a kick. And uh, so that's, they said, we're going to draft you in the 10th, 11th or 12th round, and the Packers drafted me in the 10th. And uh, I didn't even know they'd done it. I didn't even think about it that day because I was always so happy. When, when the NFL and the AFL merged, I said, this was probably a month before the, before the draft, I said, boy, that's good because – these, these two leagues fighting each other, just they're killing each other financially. You know, one guy will draft you in the one, the other one will draft you in the other league, and they got to pay more because they're trying to trying to get you away from the other one. And little did I know that I, I regretted saying that because I was going to be drafted by the NFL and the AFL. I would have got a lot of money, maybe. So sure. Um, and another thing, uh, Bill, that we our listeners I'm sure would like to know is not only were you drafted by the Green Bay Packers. But you were the first place kicker ever taken by Vince Lombardi in the ten years that he was the head coach and general manager. That's saying something. Yeah, that's true. Now he, it was the only true place kicker. He 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 got a guy once for who could place kick and punt, but he mainly wanted was Donnie Anderson. He mainly wanted wanted him for the puttings or for the punting. So yeah, you're absolutely right on that. And I went there and I probably. Travis Williams would have been my best friend there. He was also drafted the year I was, except he was a very high draft pick. 
He ran the 40 and 4-4, which may not seem good now, but 55 years ago, it was great. And mm. he ran back four tip-offs during the season for touchdowns. And I believe it's still an NFL record 56 years later. He had four, four of them, and he, he, was, he was fumbling a lot in practice. So Lombardi made him carry a ball in his hand when he wasn't – anywhere he went, he had to carry a ball. And when he'd go to get in line to eat, I would, I would take the ball so he could get his food. So we kind of became friends. And, uh, you know, he was really good. He was, a, he was with the Packers for a couple of years. And then he went to some other team. But Bar Starr probably made the biggest impression on me because he, back then, the quarterbacks held. And uh, I'm left footed. He'd only hold for righties. He would stay after practice and hold for me. He said, I want to give you a fair chance. He says, so I'm going to stay extra time here with you. And that, that made such an impression on me. And uh, one time I was listening to the radio years later, and I, was, I, don't, I don't listen to, to uh, Larry King, but he was on there. And he says, well, I got Bart Starr here. So I, for some reason, this was like 11 o'clock and I, I called in and I got through. And I just wanted to thank him, you know, for all the millions of people that were listening. I just appreciated that he would stay around because he had just won the MVP in the first Super Bowl. This is the year of the second Super Bowl when I was there, and he was gonna, you know, and he was gonna get the MVP of that one too. So he was the best quarterback going at that moment, and uh, I really appreciated that he would spend time just for a nobody, and uh, that. But that's the way the Packers were. And I got there, Elijah Pitts was he was you know, a veteran running back, but he was working with he was working with Travis Williams. Well, he he's cutting his own throat. This guy runs a four four. Elijah Pitts is 34 years old, and but he worked, and every player did it. The Lombardi Lombardi made it out of rule, and nobody dared not do it. So everybody worked good compared to other teams where that I was at, where you could see that everybody was out for themselves. Where the Packers and their record showed it that you know that wasn't the way to do it. Exactly, and Bill, you were at that point in your career. You think, I mean, it's been a magnificent career up to that point, but you were so close if, to being on a Super Bowl champion team if you would have held on that whole season. True, true. But Lombardi, Lombardi, you know, gave me a choice that I could be on the taxi squad, which uh, I didn't want, you know, which I didn't do it. So I came back home and he got me a tryout with the Giants, which went pretty well. And, and then I went and I, I, I taught school that year. And while I was teaching school, the Cincinnati, I don't know how they got the number. The Cincinnati Bengals called the school and wanted to talk to me. And they offered me a contract. And the San Diego Chargers, a couple nights later, offered me a contract. In fact, that I already had it on my desk before the Cincinnati one came. But I decided to go to Cincinnati because it was a lot closer. You know, I didn't want to go all the way to California. I didn't, wasn't always excited about flying. So I figured mm -hmm. I could drive to Cincinnati. So. That's that's the way that one. That is absolutely great, uh, Bill. And um, I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Bill, there's a, another New York State record that you hold here, and it actually is for four holes in one as a teenager while you were at We Go Free Academy. Now, I understand you, you didn't play on the golf team because it interfered with baseball, but take me through those four hole in ones. One might be a little bit lucky, but four, you know, you got some skill. Well, I wish I had. I wish I had my son-in-law. I wish I had known Bernie Herzog, my son-in-law, because he's a he's the golf coach at Binghamton University now, and he's an excellent teacher. Well, I 
I played golf. I taught myself how to play, which means I had an ugly swing. I used a baseball grip, but I played a lot. And I, and it, I just seemed to get lucky. I can remember playing with people. When I got the hole in one, they thought it was luck. But when I hit it five feet from the pin, it was, it was being a good player. So um, <laughs> that's sort of how it went. It was just one of those things where actually I got my fourth hole in one after I graduated from OFA, but just before I went to Cortland. So it was, it was that spot when I did it. And then, you know, cause I played a lot in the summers and uh, with a lot of my friends and uh, I played with the number one guy at Seton and he would, you know, take me out and try to teach me how to do little things. And uh, went out with Ron Lasky from Maine Endwell and he helped me a lot too. So uh, I was lucky to go to the IBM country club where, where, you know, I, I met a lot of guys I actually ended up playing against them when we played in Maine Endwell in football. So uh, it was just nice. It's just a bunch of nice people. All right. I've got one more thing here. I think our uh, listeners would be interested in, but you, uh, in 1962, you represented OFA at the section four table tennis sectionals. I didn't even realize they had that. Tell me a little bit, tell us a little bit about that. I think that was the first year because we had never known about it either. So the school had a tournament to see who could go. And I fortunately won it. So I got to go, but so I, but I didn't win. Let's put it that way. But it was it was a fun thing. That that sounds like a lot of fun. And you you've got a lot of other accolades as a student athlete. We don't really have the time to do that, or we'd make this a a mini series. And we want to keep it focused as much as possible on Section Four football and and also what you did after you you left at Cortland and with the NFL. Bill, I want to thank you very much for sharing not only your time but. Uh, being so gracious with you know your background and and giving a lot of hope uh, and inspiration to the young student athletes out there that can hey you know if he can do that and take that approach then then I can do that and you also woven in the working the extra things you know going early to practice and don't tell anybody about it and all the extra things you did to get help to make yourself better you know we want all those young student athletes out there and anybody in life in, in general to be willing to do those things and, and look what can happen to you. You've got such a great background. And again, Bill, thank you for sharing everything. We appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right. You take care. Okay. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and remember, tell your friends, coach Smith says, visit cover4.com and be the next fan up in football and life. It's not where we line up. It's where we wind up. Thank you for listening to the Cover 4 podcast.